0: Show with two retired detectives that were in the thick of New York crime, fast and hectic. They got some stories
1: and some jokes, even an interview with the most popular folks. Off the cuff, off the cuff,
0: one episode just saying enough.
2: Get a little laughter and an interview too.
0: Thing you can do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, Bill Cannon, and today. With me, I have straight out of Brooklyn, retired NYPD de- detective, Phil Grimaldi. How you doing today, Phil? I'm pretty good, Billy, and I'm so glad that we got our good pal, uh, retired first grade detective, Tommy Dades, on board. I'm, you right. know, I, I reached out to Tommy and I, you know, I put him right on the spot and he was ready. He, he said he was born ready, you know, so here he is today. And today what we're going to discuss is the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, verdict, which just came in. And uh, no one could really read what this jury was going to do, because usually if someone's going to get acquitted, it happens pretty quickly. And in this case, it took four days. So they obviously uh, considered all of the uh, evidence. They considered uh, all the law, and they came back with this. I'm going to now play, uh, share the screen here, and I'm going to play the judge. And as the verdict came in, what, what they saw in the courtroom here
3: will rise, rise and hearken to its verdicts. First count of the information: Joseph Wilson. We the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the second count of the information, Richard McGinnis. We the jury find the defendant Kyle H. Rittenhouse not guilty. As to the third count of the information, unknown male, we the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fourth count of the information, Anthony Huber, we the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty. As to the fifth count of the information, Gage Rose we the jury, find the defendant, Kyle H. Rittenhouse, not guilty members of the jury are these your unanimous verdicts is there anyone who does not agree with the verdicts as read
0: so that was inside the jury uh very powerful you could see the defendant kyle rittenhouse broke down and uh he he hugged his attorney uh was this unexpected phil
4: um, not in my view at all. I think that, uh, I was a little plugged into the case. I won't say a hundred percent, but I was kind of monitoring it over the, li- especially over the last few days. And, uh, this was no surprise to me. I think there was cause early on in this trial, uh, that there uh, should have been a mistrial with prejudice based on the antics of the prosecution. I think, uh, we could all uh, go over that in, in the next hour of what we're going to do the show, but, uh, it was clear that, uh, there was really no case, and uh, I'm not surprised by the verdict at all. I think the jury did their job. I think they did it correctly. I applaud them. It was probably very tough, especially with the stuff that was going outside, going on outside the courthouse with regard to, uh, you know, these uh, these protests and whatnot. Uh, we had a CNBC uh, reporter following the jury yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But absolutely no surprise to me, Billy.
0: You know, I I think that. Uh- for a lot of these trials, it's it's very tough to get a jury that is impartial, because so much of of the media accounts, uh, they try to get a hold of these jurors, and they the judge uh, didn't sequester these juries,
1: they have-
0: uh, these particular jurors, which I found a little strange. You know, what are your feelings on that,
1: Tommy? They should definitely have been sequestered with. You know uh everybody getting threatened which sadly they're saying these days does change the attitude and what verdicts come in because they don't want mass mayhem afterwards so they should have definitely been you know sequestered you know people getting threatened if you come up with the wrong verdict you know we're gonna kill your family it's it's absurd that something like that is gonna you know change what the, the facts of the case and what the actual law really stands for.
0: You know, if in this country, uh, if we ever lose the rule of law, then we we totally have chaos. And law is the only thing that that we have. And look, I don't think, uh, in my own opinion, I don't think Kyle Rittenhouse should have went to Kenosha with an AR-14. I, I think that was where he erred seriously. I mean, he shouldn't have went there. Uh, with that, and even what is a 17-year-old kid doing, thinking providing security uh, for a car dealership or for whoever he was providing security for? But having said that, while he was there, uh, he defended himself, and the jury ruled that it was self-defense. So many people may not like the outcome of this. However, the jury clearly ruled that it was self-defense, and he was acquitted of all five charges. One of the other charges, the the gun being illegal, uh, the judge threw that out of court because after looking at the law, he realized that he in fact was allowed to own that gun because he was 17 years old and it was a certain size and they never looked into that before. So that charge was thrown out. And when we also discussed this case, when we think about what the riots were about, uh, was the shooting of, uh, a, a man named Jacob Blake and the officer um, who shot Jacob Blake was found to be within department and legal guidelines and was totally cleared, not just by the local grand jury, but, but by the feds also. So these riots were basically over a shooting that was ruled to be justified as many of these shootings are. And they, they still, they don't stop the riots. I think that's a, uh, one of the things that, uh, has to be addressed in the future.
4: You know, Billy, um, there's three things I want to bring up about uh, when you get arrested and you're charged and you're going to trial. Number one, you have a right to be tried by the jury of your peers, meaning people uh, from the community are the ones that decide your fate. That's number one. Number two, um, you have the right to face your accuser. There was one charge in uh, uh, in particular on this case where the person who they charged him with firing his gun at and missing. The guy who went to stomp on him was never uh, allegedly uh, notified or, or contacted by the district attorney's office, the prosecutor's office. So they had a charge in there. It was almost like a ghost charge. They had a charge with a person that was never identified while the deliberations were going on, we learned that actually that person had been identified and spoken with, and he wanted immunity from prosecution to testify. He was, it wasn't granted. So they didn't use him. However, that should have been turned over to the defense. That's uh, the, the second thing. And then the third thing is that, um you know, when you're in court and, um, you have to be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That is something that's a very, very high standard in the American uh, justice system. Uh, when you're arrested, you're charged. You go to you go to trial. The judge uh, instructs the jury that when you rule, whether it be specific evidence—fingerprints, DNA, blood, whatever—or circumstantial evidence, your ruling has to be based. If it's guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. And I think that they acquitted him beyond the reasonable doubt based on the, uh, the uh, amount of evidence that was, uh, pr- you know, that was produced in this case. And some of the prosecution witnesses were actually in defense of uh, Kyle Rittenhouse that there was one in particular, the guy who was shot in the arm, that he he admitted that he pointed his gun at Kyle. He was pointing his loaded Glock handgun at Kyle Rittenhouse when he was shot. So, I mean, you had clear self-defense right there. So those three points, uh, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt, a jury appears and um, the other one that I stated before, um, you know, uh, having, uh, uh, what was the other one I said? I forgot it already. But the bottom line is that's the justice system in in the in United States.
0: One you know, one of the, uh, Tommy, can I just say something? One of the things I was going to say is that, the prosecution in this, um, will they be disciplined after this trial?
1: I there know. was there
0: was a lot of prosecutorial misconduct in this 100. case. Go ahead, Tommy.
1: Tremendous amount. I've spoken to ex-high-ranking uh, DAs, um, you know, who held very high positions, very experienced people. They said they couldn't even watch anything on TV because they were sick to their stomach on what the prosecution was doing. And had they been the ones, you know, these were guys that were, were, were calling the shots in those specific DA's offices in five, the five boroughs. And they said in their day, it would have never even made it to a grand jury. It would have been justifiable homicide from Jump Street.
0: You know, some of the people in the chat were asking, you know, what do I mean by uh, should the prosecution be be disciplined, or sanctioned? One of the things was that he asked the question of the defendant, of about why he, um, why he chose, uh, to lawyer up, why he chose to be represented by counsel. That is 100% a hundred percent a no no. A first year law student knows that. Every cop knows that.
1: First thing you say when somebody comes to you is lawyer. <laughs> That's the first words out of your mouth is lawyer.
0: All right, But he, the in, in the trial, the prosecutor asked him why he invoked counsel. I mean, and even the judge slapped his hand over that and you know, people said, Oh, the judge was biased. No, when the judge sees uh, someone violating the law in court, he has a duty
4: to say something about it. You know, Billy, uh, that was on cross-examination. The prosecutor in the case actually said to, to Rittenhouse, um, you had no problem remaining silent after the incident up until now. Now, that's his right under the Constitution. In Miranda, you have the right, the first sentence, you have the right to remain silent refuse to under, uh, refuse to answer questions. Do you understand? That's the first one that you read in an arrest situation. You continue to have that right throughout unless you decide, which him and his lawyers decided, that he was going to testify. And there was pertinent questions asked. How could uh, a prosecutor ask such a question about him Remaining silent, it was within his constitutional rights, and the judge admonished him. And I believe there was uh, a request by defense counsel for a mistrial based on that, and many other things. There was, I believe, four requests for a mistrial, and the judge had set aside uh, whether or not he was going to rule on those verdicts after there was um, uh, whether or not he was going to grant those uh, those uh, requests for mistrial after the verdict. Which I don't know why he was doing it that way, but he was. And um, you know, one other thing about the judge, real quick. The judge was appointed, you know, they want to make this a Republican, Democrat, black, white thing. And that judge was appointed by a Democratic politician in Wisconsin. So I think that kind of eliminates that little bit of, uh, you know, right and left or Republican and Democrat uh, opinion on this thing. There's
1: no basis. A Democrat or Republican has no basis. There's, you know, there's, there's penal laws in those states, criminal procedure laws in those states. And the judge has to abide by what they say. He has to instruct the jury, not the prosecution instructing the jury or bringing out the law. It's the judge that's supposed to instruct the jury before they deliberate. And he has to instruct them based on what the law is in that state. So who cares if you're a Democrat or Republican or, or from Mars? You still got it. You still have to, you know, repeat to the jury what charges You're, you know, that he's got to charge the jury, period. So I don't know why they even care about Democrat, Republican. What is he going to interpret the the, the penal law there in a different way because his political beliefs are different? That's not the way it works. And that's what's happening in this country, which to me is totally disgusting.
0: Absolutely. Well, Well, you know, Tommy, if if you lose the rule of law, you've lost your country. And if you lose
1: cops the cops are the only you know cops throughout the country are the only cops agents are the only thing that stands between anarchy you know what I mean that's the only line that in this country you know you, you get in trouble you know you call you call for help you know that's who's coming to help you and how anybody could be against listen they you know they, you, you you could look up I'm not going to get into detail but you could look up FBI statistics on a lot of stuff that tell the truth and it's it's the truth is manipulated and it's just sad that you know everything was fine you know and until covid started you know there, there was no trouble in new york whatever happened in other states or whatever it wasn't new york and then all of a sudden new york turned upside down new york's police department you know uh they, they were criticizing them what, what was new york cops doing wrong You know really what were they doing wrong i i I really it's very hard for me to understand it and i don't think anybody should ever judge anyone unless they've walked in their shoes so unless you've been in carl rittenhouse's shoes you really don't have you know from an outside point of view and you're not one of the jurors that are getting all the evidence and sitting in a room for days deliberating on every piece of it and watching videos then you really you really don't have a right to make a decision on what his destiny should have been.
4: Good point, Tommy. I, I want to make one quick point about the prosecution, too. You know, um, I watched, there were several, uh, Tommy, you brought up that you had spoken with prosecutors. They were sick to their stomach. They couldn't even watch the trial course. they were they were seeing play out in real time the disgusting things that this prosecution did between holding back the video, sending a blurry video to the defense. It,
1: Misconduct, and they should be held accountable for it. I, I, you know, absolutely. You know, but I want to, because if a detective did that, understand, or if you wrote down a little note on a matchbook cover because you didn't have a piece of paper for whatever reason and didn't hand it in, and it's discovered afterwards, you then hand it in. That that's a You got a mistrial on your hands.
4: Uh, absolutely. But the other point I was going to make was, I watched two different civil rights attorneys recently in the last day or two comment about this trial. Now. I'm not trying to say that civil rights attorneys, they're only going to go on the de- on the defendant side or, or prosecution side or whatever, but they specifically called out the prosecutors on this case and said, had I been in front of this prosecution or on this trial, I would have immediately uh, called for a mistrial. Uh, it, it would have been, they, they said they would have been apoplectic about it meaning they would have been going insane completely insane because it was clear what was going on in this trial it was almost as if in some of the uh talking heads on, on cable news said this that they wanted a mistrial because they knew that their witnesses screwed up the prosecution was witnesses early on in the trial that they wanted a mistrial that way they can get another right. bite at the apple you know a retrial and then maybe they uh oh,
1: something takes that long for a verdict it usually isn't looking good it looks like right. people are being you know there's a couple of holdouts one way or the other so you know they're trying to go over it and get everybody to become unanimous till the jury finally comes out and says we can't make a unanimous decision and it's a mistrial or the judge will call them out and ask them what's going on and if they say they can't make a unanimous decision. He will declare it a mistrial, you know, and I think that's what they wanted. They want another shot at it, you know. You know,
0: one of one of the constants in this, and I think we would all agree that Kyle Rittenhouse really uh, shouldn't have gone to Kenosha with an, an AR-14. We, I think, we all agree with that. But it it occurred. He did go there, and then what occurred was ruled by this jury to be self-defense. He killed two people in defense of his life. One of them grabbed at his gun. The other guy pointed a gun at him, and one of them hit him in the head with a skateboard. So one of the, to me, the most amazing things was one of the prosecutors, the heavyset guy, was talking about how he brought a gun to a fistfight. He forgot that the second second guy pointed a gun at him, and he forgot another guy hit him with a three-foot-long skateboard in the head. And one of the things also was that these individuals that were shot were rioters. They were not victims. They were rioting. Uh, Rosenbaum started a fire. That's an arson. That's a B felony. So let's let's quote the law correctly, Counselor. Well, These, they were rioters. They were not victims.
1: Well, didn't we see people on the news during the riots in New York while cops were getting the teeth knocked out of their mouth? And I got pictures that were getting sent to me with inspectors, cops, or whatever, you know, uh, wearing white shirts and full of blood, with teeth out of their mouth, getting hit in the face with bricks. I've seen cops get hit over the head with garbage cans, kicked and beaten. And you got a newscaster in front of you saying, "This is a peaceful demonstration," and he's glowing in the dark because there's 18 cars on fire behind him. I mean, you know, <laughs> are you is it is it just maybe I'm you know listen? You know, I, you know Tommy, I, there's, there's, there's a famous. Surgeon, but you got to be an asshole. And once you know, you're entitled to protest, everybody has their right to an opinion. But once you throw a bottle, it's not a peaceful protest no more. It's a riot. riot.
0: Well, you know, you know, Tommy, it was funny. There was a report that CNN was doing, and I forgot which city it was. But the, the reporter's going, these are mostly peaceful protests, and the whole behind them was lit on fire. It was like the yeah. whole crack was on fire.
1: I don't watch the news. I don't watch the news. I don't read the newspaper. I can't take what I see no more. You know what? Republican, Democrat, I'm waiting for a TV news channel that's totally, like, in the middle that tells the truth you know, that just says says like they're not pushing for one way, they're not pushing for another way. All they're pushing for is for the right thing to be done. And it just seems like everything in this country is going haywire. Common sense has been thrown out the window. And I'm not, it's got nothing to do with Democrat or Republican. You know what I mean? My family, most, you know, my grandparents, my mother, they were a long time democrats you know so i'm not putting any party down it's just that it seems that common sense has gone out the window defund the police like minnesota had some election my sister lives out there where they were almost you know it was coming up where they were voting to get away to do away with the police department like yeah, they had, you
4: had know, a vote on that
1: I, I mean, are you, are you kidding me or what? Like, it, it, sometimes you almost want them to win and then see what's going to happen afterwards. Who are you going to call? A social worker with a paper and a pen? They're yeah. not going to go to the house. You know what Tommy, I mean? I Tommy, don't,
4: I don't know about a newscast or a channel, but I know about a podcast that goes right down the middle. It's called Police Off the Cuff, Real oh, Crime okay. Stories. And In our opinions-,
1: opinions... Listen, we don't go, you know, anytime I've been on the show... You know we don't condone doing anything bad uh, some people have problems with the people that we talk to but you know what do cops do you talk to criminals and you just you're talking you're learning it's debates it's interesting but it's not like this is a biased you know podcast it's very open for suggestion it's very uh educated and not not either None, not the three of us aren't always 100 percent right or we don't claim to be 100 percent right. You're, we're giving not even our own opinion. We're giving stuff that's so black and white and common sense that it's almost ridiculous to have to, to justify. It. You know what I mean? It really is. It's sad.
0: You know, I just wanted to uh, raise this issue. Um and we saw it all last year in doing the whole COVID thing when there were riots all over the country in regards to uh, Derek Chauvin and uh, even New York City. And the thing is, to me, is shame on the governments that allow riots to occur. And shame on, New York City is one of them, shame on the mayors that hold their police back and don't let them do their job. Shame on the governments that allow rioters to burn down businesses. Shame on them. Let
1: me ask you a question. Why why did de Blasio, de Blasio and all all these people, I've heard them say peaceful protests. But meanwhile, Eric Adams, who, thank God, de Blasio is going to be leaving office, and Eric Adams has taken over, and when they're threatening riots, if he does certain things with the police department, which is Eric Adams' rights, especially as a retired police captain um, and spent many years in the police department. And he's saying, not in my city, you know? So it seems that, you know, they could threaten all they want. He's not being intimidated and it's got nothing to do with race. There were all kinds of nationalities and and, and different ethnicities involved in these riots. But whether you're, you're white, black, green, purple, or yellow, If you start a riot, I think once Eric Adams takes over, I think he's going to let the police do what they have to do. And, you know, you all remember the Washington Heights riots, the Crown Crown Heights riots, Washington Square Park riots. I was at all of them. And for a couple of hours, it was back and forth whether they were going to let anybody do anything. But once they gave the thumbs up to end it, it was over you know, fast, and you never heard any, you know, repercussions over it, that's what the police are there for, they're not there to hurt anybody, but they're not there to be abused, spit on, hit, you don't go to work as a cop to be, you know, abused physically, verbally is one thing, physically is a whole other story, and I watch videos that made me sick, watching guys getting hit and beat, and nobody doing nothing about it, you know, it, it really is, it's, it's, it's like, it's, if they're going to do that to a cop, then what are they going to do to a civilian?
4: Tommy and I have to give you applause on that because what you just said makes the most sense. The police, once there's a protest and they throw a bottle or rocket, now becomes a riot. They need to quickly restore order, put a stop to it, put it down. And this theory of oh, letting the letting the people, uh, you know, burn off energy and destroy and burn property—that's
1: Go got to stop in a heavy bag if you got energy to burn off,
4: you know? Exactly. Go, go do that in a gym. You're not doing it in public property. And I'm just hoping and praying, Tommy, that you're right, that Eric Adams stick with I what he what says that and that says, guy. I'm oh, not, doing. it's not going to happen in my city, not in my city. L- listen, no, we don't want to unleash the police to, to brutalize people, but oh. to restore order and do the right thing. 100% Tommy.
0: Guys, uh, if you uh, like a podcast from a police perspective, taking on the major uh, cases of the day. Please subscribe to Police Off the Cuff. You can go on our YouTube, hit the subscribe button, ring that bell, give us a thumbs up. Uh, We also have a Patreon if you'd like to support us. We have a a membership. You want to join Police Off the Cuff as a member and get additional content, be part of the Police Off the Cuff family. We have uh, like six levels. The first one is the bucket for $2.99 a month. $6.99 a month, you can have coffee with Cannon. $9.99 Nine ninety nine a month. You can polish my rack. Twenty four ninety nine a month. You dipped in butter. And for the premiere, forty nine ninety nine a month. You got heated dipped in butter. So if you'd like to join us, we'd love we would love to have you guys. Uh, you know, I wanted this is a spokesperson for the uh, Rittenhouse family. I'm just gonna see what we're uh, gonna play what he has to say on here.
5: Next to Wendy Rittenhouse, as the uh, verdict came in, what was her reaction? What was your reaction to the verdict? one of relief. Um, it's been a long road. And, uh, so we believe that that was the right verdict, we believe that the length of time was the jury being very careful in reading the instructions and looking over the evidence. Um, but look there, there's no spiking of football. There's two people did lose their lives. There was uh there was a lot of things that infected this case like politics that that that's sent it off the rails really early on and so there are no winners i mean kyle now gets to live his life as a free young man an innocent young man which he is um, at the end of the day i mean there are no winners there's been there's been This is a I believe this is a inflection point for this country that that we should try to bridge the divide right now. uh, And we should try to come together. Right. This is a moment that I think the country can use to get united, to try to get united, to have conversations, to sit across the table. Have you talked to Kyle at all? Not Since the to- verdict came? No, 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 no. They left uh, immediately. They left immediately. They went out the back door uh, for security reasons. We wanted to get him off site. So What's next for him? College. College. He, he can be an 18-year-old young man. Uh, he's, a, he's studying prerequisites at Arizona State University, and for nursing. And he's going to continue that. And um, we're going to do everything we can to to make sure he can live as normal of a life moving forward as now. Um, sorry, as possible. Um, but I think you're going to see some, some good things that come out of Kyle in the future because he's a very, very pragmatic young man, right? That's been through a lot. And uh, there's just, there's so many pieces of this case that touch every issue in modern day contemporary politics right uh but at the end of the day this case was always about self-defense and nothing else it wasn't about politics it was not about race it was a case about did he defend himself when attacked and uh he absolutely did and thank god that the jury came to that conclusion but look i'll say it again um there are no winners than this, but this is an opportunity to have some discussions that I think should have, should be had.
6: And David Hancock, so Channel 12 in Milwaukee here at ABC, um, we're live as well. And I just want to introduce you to our viewers. You've been with the Rittenhouse family this whole time, and I was in the courtroom. And I saw you, Wendy, really kind of held on to your arm tightly. What did you feel from her in that moment when they read the verdict?
5: Uh, relief. I mean, a year, and some odd months of just having, uh, just having her son be defamed, for lack of a better term. But
0: amazing, right? When you think about it, uh, here you are. One minute you're standing up, and you it can it's either going to be freedom or sixty years in prison.
1: And let me tell you something. You, you know, unless you've walked in those shoes and realized, I don't think anybody realizes, like he said, there are no winners and nobody, you know, unless you've been in those shoes, to be accused of something that you're innocent of and to go through the not knowing what's going to happen to your life when you know you did nothing wrong and you have overzealous prosecutors trying to put you in prison, that will stick with you for the rest of your life it will never leave you. It it definitely emotionally gets to you. And, you know, there are still people out there that are going to consider him like a murderer, which is, you know, very wrong, but he has to live with that as a lot of other people have in the past. And I don't think people really, everybody's easy to talk who've never been through any kind of diversity in their life, especially something like this. But trust me, it sticks with you. It never leaves you, and it'll stay with you till you take your last breath. And what that gentleman said, there are on the winners in this. He's correct. But when you re, when you act in a certain way, and there's a reaction that comes back at you um, because of your actions, then it's the person that acted that way that brought those actions on. So he did not attack anybody. He was not, he didn't put anybody's life in danger. His life was in danger. And he reacted because, you know, you're in panic mode. Your adrenaline is flowing. You know, you're trying to not die for some for for no reason at all. He would have just been a statistic that got killed. And I wonder what they would have done to the people that killed them if they did kill him. You know, so nobody really understands, you know, I'm not saying nobody really understands. A lot of people who will be you know, bad-mouthing this interview by us have never been through any kind of diversity. So, you know, again, like I say, if you haven't been through it, you ain't got nothing to say.
4: Good point, Tommy. Good point. You know, um the, uh, the fact that... The criminal justice system is really based on intent. Now, I, I agree with you, Billy. I don't think... I wish his father would have stopped him when he was going out the door, if his father was there or not. I don't know. But if somebody would have stopped him and said, listen, why are you going there You know, with a gun and trying to protect... But you got to look at his intention, his intention. And he was interviewed before all this shit broke, broke out where the shooting started. He was caught on an interview by a reporter. He had the gun on. What are you doing here? He said, I'm here to put out fires. I'm here to give first aid. I'm a medic. And he had the gun. Why do you have the gun? He goes, well, I have the gun only to protect myself. The gun was fully exposed. It met all the requirements of the law with the size of the barrel. It wasn't concealed. So again, Should he have been there? In my opinion, if he was my son, no, I I wouldn't have wanted him there. I would have tried to stop him, even though he had good intention. And there's that old saying, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's probably nothing more true than that. His intentions were good. Now he got caught up in it. He tried to retreat. He tried to run. They attacked him from behind. Now he was left with no alternative, especially when they were grabbing at his gun to fire shots and try and defend himself. And it still didn't cease. There was three incidents where he had to fire his gun. So the bottom line is that that's actually the picture where he's explaining. He's got his medic bag on his left hip and he has the gun across his chest and he's got the gloves on. He put out fires. There was no question that he did that. He had fire extinguisher. He even went there with a bulletproof vest, but he gave the bulletproof vest to another one of his friends. So, the what was the intent? That's what the law looks at. Did he, did he intend to go there to hurt somebody, one or, or or kill somebody, or cause somebody harm? No, his intent was to put out fires, render first aid, and protect that used car business, or I don't know if it was a new car or used car business, but to protect that car business. Things went awry. He tried his best to retreat, which he didn't even have to do by the law, and he wound up in the situation he was in. Now there, there's the rifle. I, I believe it's, a, you're, you're saying AR-14, Billy, is, it, is that what you know? Or yeah, that's I, what,
0: no, well, that's what I was, you know, that's what I've read. It was an AR-14. I'm not a huge gun person. I thought AR-15, but okay. It, 14, could, it could be, it could be an AR-15. Yeah, I'm not positive. Yeah. I don't know really yeah. the differences in an AR-14 or N-15. and N-15. You know, but yeah. people, people in the chat are calling, you know, they get it from the media, uh, an assault rifle. What, what is an assault rifle? That's what I would like to know. If the media can define, there's there's spy, no,
4: Billy. There's if you're in the gun world, there's absolutely no description. I don't or care no... If it
1: was a 22.
4: Right. If it can cause you a death, it's a weapon. That's it. End oh, of story.
1: Bottom line, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Weapon and what their intentions are with that weapon to use it. You know what I mean?
4: Billy, could you put that picture up of the weapon again? I just want to make a point about that real quick. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Tommy. Now, look at that gun. Now, look how menacing that gun is. Any rifle is menacing. Now, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but during the summation, the guy in the gray suit to the left there, the prosecutor, he pointed that gun at the jurors with his finger on the trigger. Now, we know from gun safety, you never point the gun at anyone unless you're intending to shoot to kill and you especially don't have your finger on the trigger. That moron in the gray suit to the left there, and I'm going to call him a moron because I think it was pretty stupid that he displayed horrible gun safety by pointing that firearm at the jury with his finger on the trigger. Another thing that he did did misconduct-wise.
1: He did that to instill fear in the jury to think of what the people who were, uh, you know – were, were, were shot by it. So he was trying to basically mind screw them, but whether a gun is loaded, unloaded, whatever, that gun should never be pointed at anyone. You it's know always
4: I mean? supposed to be pointed in a safe direction. Safe direction is down or it's up. It's not at a jury pool. And then what do they tell us all the time? Finger off the trigger when you go to the range. You're not supposed to have your finger on the trigger. Of course, why? That's how accident accidental discharges happen. Now, that gun probably wasn't loaded, but we don't know for certain. I didn't inspect it. He didn't inspect it. How does he know that that gun wasn't loaded? Really, what would
1: happen to you if you were at the range and your gun was empty and you fired with a revolver and you fired six shots? And one of the instructors came over to you, and instead of holstering your weapon, he turned. You turned around at the booth with the gun pointed at the booth. Forget they it. The and they they, they, the they go berserk.
0: Let's watch this. Let's watch this. And then raises his left hand
2: to the gun and points.
4: Real, real. Here you go. This is it. That was it.
2: Him putting the fire extinguisher on the ground and then raising the gun.
1: Well what do you want him to do? Keep the fire extinguisher in his hand?
4: That's you can see his I don't I don't know if you could see it in that one, but his finger was on the one right before it when he held it up the first time, his finger was on the trigger. There was another angle I saw on the news, his finger was on the trigger. And just pointing the gun at them, that alone, whether his finger's on the trigger or not. There it is. You can see his finger was through the through the trigger, got on, on the trigger. And then raising
1: what was the point of him saying he put the fire extinguisher on the floor? Really, what was the point? Were you supposed to keep the fire extinguisher in your hand while you pick up a rifle? You, you know what I'm trying to say. Nobody he, told
4: him a rifle is is used with two hands. So nobody told that prosecutor that. That
1: guy is a total. Uh, please, I don't even want to talk. I'd love to you know. He, love to know his background.
4: Billy, you commented on it earlier, too. They were talking about one of the uh, specific uh, people that was injured. I believe it was Rosenbaum. And in summation, not that particular uh, prosecutor, I believe it it was co-counsel, the heaviest set guy. He said, well, yeah, he started some fires, like almost like, you know, oh, he started a little fire. That was the word he used. He started (laughs) a little fire. So a little fire turns to a big fire. Yeah,
0: exactly. So no, I, but you know, starting a fire in the middle of a riot—that's considered an arson, and an arson is a b—is a b, as in boy, felony. It's you know,
1: fifteen-year sentence. That's right, right, right. That's right that's and right. first
0: he just kicked over a porta potty, and then he dragged a, 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 uh, I forget he dragged something out of the dumpster to yeah to block the traffic, and then he started a little fire, and then yeah. he did the you know, and he was making light of all the things. Uh real with robo. Thank you for the um five dollar super chat. Bill, it's an AR-15 me- media says assault rifle. It stands for armor light rifle. The charge uh was for him. Crossing lines armed, he didn't charge dropped. Right. Well, that was dropped. Uh that was dropped before the um early on in the trial. The judge before the jury
4: got the verdict, that was dropped. Absolutely. Yes, that was um, dropped the because yeah.
0: the judge found that it wasn't was not an illegal gun. Lisa Mosley. Thank you so much for the uh, twenty dollars super chat. There are threats against Rittenhouse in chat. It needs to stop. Well, people that they're they're called armchair warriors. They're called keyboard warriors. They're not they're not dangerous. They're just idiots. You know, so don't worry about them. Listen, the bottom them. line is is that what Tommy said, and I think Bill,
4: you said it too. There are no winners in this case. I mean, this kid is he's got to go to bed at night knowing that he he nearly was killed and he took two lives. Now, I mean, he was defending himself. There's justification for it. It was self-defense, 100%. But deep down, I mean, you know, if you believe in the Catholic faith like I do, you're not supposed thou shalt not kill. It's one of the Ten Commandments, and he killed somebody. So he's going to have to come to terms with that. He's going to have to make peace with his God, whoever it may be. I don't know what his religious background is, but he's got to live with that. And he's probably not going to have an easy time going forward, you know, going to a college. He's probably going to have to do college online based on the fact that his face is all over the media. Say again, uh, Tom?
1: He's going to have a lot. He's going to face a lot of adversary of people who are against that he's free. And he's not going to have a good time of it. You know what I mean? Of course. Of course. Eventually, you know, it'll fade out. and There'll be something else that takes precedence over him. But for a while, he's going to have a hard time. You know, his life, he's free, but his, his life of torment is not going to be free. 100%.
4: Tommy, shame on the media. I don't know if you've been watching much news, but the media really painted this thing. The media painted this thing in a very negative way. They tried to interject race into this. Kyle Rittenhouse is obviously white. All of the people involved in the shooting were all white. Yet you had Black Lives Matter protest and Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter. Now, Black Lives Matter, white lives matter, all lives matter. But where did they come into this? And then the media, I mean, listen, now here's the other thing that I'm thinking of, and I'm sure that this may take place. The president of the United States before he was elected, Joe Biden called him a white supremacist. I mean, that's pretty... Big words to put on somebody. They said he absolutely had no relationship to any white supremacist groups. They gave over his phone, which the government couldn't crack. Now I'm wondering if they may go after him for civil rights violations. That's probably the next thing. Which it's almost like double jeopardy, but they could actually look into this with the federal government to try and charge him with a federal uh, with a civil There's rights. Violation. No
1: way. There is no way in the federal system. That they can charge, I mean, they could do whatever the hell they want to do, because they, they do.
4: But- they do it. They do it, right, Tom? They do it.
1: But to ever come back with a civil rights violation on him would be totally manipulating the federal statute, you know, of what that means. So I'd be very surprised if they do. You know, I really would be very surprised if they do, because that's not what the federal statute is.
4: Well, we've, we've seen the federal government go after individuals when they, uh, I believe it was in the Rodney King case out in LA, the federal government went after them for civil rights violations. And in that case, it probably was appropriate
1: because, in case, you know, I can, you know, that case, I watched that video again. I won't Monday morning quarterback anybody, but if you're looking at that video, okay, that's a civil rights violation. Right, right. and. Right. They caused their own problems because from what I saw in the video, I don't know what happened before or after or anything else, but just from watching the video, the Rodney King case was a terrible travesty and a blemish on cops.
4: All law enforcement. You're right. right. I agree with
0: you.
1: Because I don't know any cop that I've ever worked with that we would ever do anything like that. You know what I'm saying? Not not So that yes was 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 definitely a civil rights violation what this kid did no way in the world and it would be it's wrong for anybody to label him something that they don't have the facts on because if he was a white supremacist you don't think that that would have come out at the trial
0: 100% you know well, guys one one thing i just want to a point i just want to raise uh many times uh, all of us will be on a different side of the fence and disagreeing with the uh, results of a That's of a jury is, a right. right of a, of a jury trial but we all as americans have to accept what the That's jury what it finds is. and i and i accepted i've accepted at times when i didn't agree with it i accepted it because you know you may argue today if you didn't get your way or whatever your political view was on this case now you're cursing the system the system works it does work. And you may not always agree with the results, but the system works.
1: The system's not a perfect system. No system is. But in a whole, it does work. It obviously worked in this case, even with all the mitigating factors of threats and everything that went on. But if the, if the verdict goes against something you personally disagree in, you know, that's America. You know what I mean? And you can't threaten violence because you disagreed with the decision. You know, it's, 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 I don't know what's happening. And I, I feel very bad for the the, the road, the way things are going and the way things are happening. And it, it just, it, it's really very sad. I'm watching what goes on. It really is. I just read that. Like I said, I don't know. I don't know what happened before that video with Rodney King, you know, I, I just watched the video. So I, I'm not judging the cops in any which way, shape or form. All I said was that if you were just watching that video, you know, they, the Justice Department would have had a right for a civil rights violation. I don't know what, I, I'm not I'm not judge. I'm not saying that I know anything about what happened before or after that video. I'm just saying just based on that video, that's all.
0: Anthony uh, Facer, it's sickening when the prosecution stands up there and lies to try and win. Prosecution is there to seek truth. Absolutely uh, disgusting. You know, folks, uh, I, I said before that uh, I've I've been on the other side of the fence when I've disagreed with the uh, with the jury, and yes, I accept it. I accept, I, I, I'm an American, and this is the system we have. And if they make us a, a, a decision that I find egregious, I find incorrect. I still must accept it. I don't go out and burn buildings down. I don't, you don't go talk out and. and, and why is Bill? No, I don't do any of that. Okay. You know, I, I accept it. And you know, there may be a lot of people that very angry tonight. You know, something. Go home and have a fresca. You know, what can I tell you? Because this is the system we have, and you know, if you don't agree with the verdict, you know, uh, you know, as I said, I don't agree with every verdict that comes down either. But I don't go out and riot over it. You know. You know, Billy, we always and I said it earlier on the
4: show that I was kidding around with Tom when he said he wants to see a news agency or a channel that kind of, you know, goes right down the middle. We've had disagreements with Joe Murray and and I wish he was on with us tonight. And I'm sure he'll be commenting on this somewhere, some way, somehow. And, you know, I don't know what his opinion on this whole thing is. But we've aired our differences of opinion, whether it be Bill and Joe or me and Joe. And um, specifically on the Gabby Petito case, we both felt that, uh, uh, that Brian Laundrie was guilty right from the beginning, and he was taking the defense attorney side of it. So we had a little disagreement, but at the end of the day, we were respectful. We disagreed with one another, and we allowed the audience to decide what I was saying or what Joe was saying or what Bill was saying and let them decide what they wanted to believe. And then you can make your own decision. Now, again, you made some great points, Billy. This is the system that we have. It's probably the best system in the world. And unfortunately, it doesn't always come out right. It's not 100%. Uh, you know, there are mistakes that are made. But in this particular case, I think the jury got it right. And I was talking about earlier about how the, uh, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Well, that's where this young man wound up. He was going to hell and the jury pulled him out of it because they saw the evidence for what it was. A
1: cop, um? an agent, or a prosecutor's job. They have just as much responsibility to exonerate somebody as they do to
4: absolutely, absolutely. Tom. So one
1: word that makes a great prosecutor, a great agent, a great detective, and I don't care what says where or what patrol guide. It's discretion and common sense. So you just you have as much if you see that there's something you know political political um, pressure. uh, on, on arresting somebody or convicting somebody or making a decision based on political pressure. That's not the way the system's supposed to work. It's ridiculous. And if it happens and it has happened, it's like you can't cause a riot because there's an election and the guy that you wanted to win didn't win the friggin' election. You know what I mean? It just don't work that way. And that's what seems the new trend is. Threaten, intimidate, and they'll get the way, you know, the, the people who are threatening will get the way they want it to end up. And that's that's totally not what this country stands for. You know, people have died in war and people have fought in battles for freedom. Freedom don't come for nothing.
3: That's right.
4: i
1: Come free. Yep. And forget about the guys that were out there fighting while we were home for freedom. And they're taking those liberties away from us right now. And those guys are rolling in their grave because people don't, you know, they're dead and gone and people forget what they did and what they went through and how this country at one time was so united and so patriotic. After 9-11, did you ever see more American flags hanging out car windows? Everybody, you know, polite to each other because we were all one. And that's what we are. We're all one. And I believe other countries right now are laughing at us. I think they're laughing at us by the way we're acting. And it's to me, it's disgraceful. It really is. I never thought I'd see this in my lifetime. And I don't think I'm going to see a change. I think I'll be dead and gone before anything anything gets better. I worry about my children.
0: You know, guys, I, I just want to uh, shift gears for a second. I want to show a little bit of the cross-examination of Kyle Rittenhauser by, uh, by the prosecutor in this case.
2: Everybody that you shot at that night, you intended to kill,
7: correct? I didn't intend to kill them. I intended to to stop the people who were attacking me. By killing them? I did what I had to do to stop the person who was attacking me.
2: By killing them?
7: Two of them passed away, but I stopped the threat from attacking me.
2: By using deadly force?
7: I used deadly force.
2: That you knew was going to kill.
7: I didn't know if it was going to kill them, but I, I used the I used deadly force to stop the threat that was attacking me.
2: You intentionally used deadly force against Joseph Rosenbaum, correct? You said deadly. You intentionally used deadly force against the man who came and tried to kick you in the face. Yes. Correct. You intentionally used deadly force against Anthony Huber, correct? Yes. You intentionally oh. used deadly force against Gage Grosskreutz, correct? Yes. With regard to Joseph Rosenbaum, you fired four shots at him, correct? Yes. You intended to kill him, correct? No,
7: I didn't intend to kill him. I intended to stop the person who was attacking me and trying to steal my gun.
2: Since August 25th, 2020, look at this guy. first time.
1: I would have got up and smacked him in a
2: mile. Your story. <laughs>
1: this is dangerous. This is the force I'm using oh, to you had your the benefit of watching
2: countless videos of your actions that night.
7: Correct? I've seen certain videos, not all of them. I've seen the majority of them actually here during the trial.
2: You've also had the opportunity to read articles. People have written interviews, things like that, about what happened that night. Correct?:
7: I, I do my best to avoid what people write on the Internet. A majority of it, it's not true.
2: You have also sat here through eight days of trial, correct? Yes. And you've had the opportunity to watch all of the videos that have been played in this trial? Yes. Sir, if you could please let me finish my question before answering. And I will do my best to let you finish your answer before I go on to the next question.
7: Fair? Yes.
2: You've also had the opportunity to listen to the testimony of all 30-some witnesses that have testified in this trial so far, correct? Yes. And after all of that now, you are telling us your side of the story, correct?
5: Correct.
7: Um, um, I'm gonna ask you folks to go in the
2: library for just a second. Please don't talk about the case. He's commenting on my client's right to remain silent. No, Your Honor. I am making the point that after hearing everything in the case, now he's tailoring his story to what has already been introduced.
3: The problem is, this is a grave constitutional violation for you to talk about the defendant's silence. Is, and, and you're right on the you're right on the borderline, and you may you may be over, but uh, it better stop.
1: Good judge, great judge.
3: This is I can't think of the case that initial case on it, but it's uh, this is not permitted. All right. Um ask the jury to come in, please. I've sustained the objection.
2: You were armed with an AR-15 semi-automatic rifle that evening, correct? Yes. You had it loaded with 30 rounds of full metal jacket ammunition, correct? Yes. That weapon with 30 rounds is capable of killing at least 30 people, correct? Yes. You had arranged to have Dominic Black purchase that weapon f- for you in Ladysmith, Wisconsin in early May of 2020. Is that correct?
7: Um we were up north shooting and not shooting. We were up north going camping and Dominic Black brought his rifle and he we were talking. I was like, hey, what if we get a rifle for me? Um, I'll give you the money. You can purchase it. It's yours until I'm 18. So I bought the rifle for Dominic and I can use it. But once I'm 18, um, we can uh, do a private sale and we can have it turned over to my name once I turned 18. Because you
2: knew as a 17-year-old, you could not have that gun,
7: correct? I knew I could not buy that gun.
2: You knew you could not possess that gun, also, correct? No. You weren't aware that under Wisconsin law,
3: I'm going to instruct the jury later about the law. So and that he wouldn't. He what I mean he's
1: supposed to, him supposed to, him to, him to instruct them on the law. not the prosecutor.
3: So um, it, it was unlawful for him to purchase the gun. It wasn't just unlawful for
2: you to purchase it. It was unlawful for you to bring it home, correct?
7: In Illinois, I wasn't able to bring it home because I didn't have a FOID card, a firearm owner identification card
2: in Illinois. You knew in Illinois that you couldn't get that until you turned 18, correct?
7: No, you can get a FOID card at 16 in Illinois.
2: But you didn't have one? I did not. And even after this gun was purchased for you in May, you never got one after that either, did you?
7: Actually, I applied for a FOID card in May of 2020, but due to the charges and there was a backlog in Illinois for the FOId card, but after you filed the charges against me, um, it was denied because of the charges here in this state.
2: You found out about that after you were criminally charged in this case.
7: I found out about this in November of 2020. A letter was sent to my old resident.
2: So you knew that without that FOID card, the gun could not go back to your residence in Illinois, correct? Correct. And you agreed that the gun would be kept at Dominic Black's stepfather's house here in Kenosha, correct?
7: Uh, Because he had a safe, yes.
2: And you agreed that you wouldn't have access to that gun, correct?
7: Um, We agreed that the only time I would use the gun is when... I would, when I was with him and we would go to like the Bristol shooting range or up north to his land.
2: But the only time prior to the night of August 25th, 2020, that you ever used that gun was up in Ladysmith, correct? Correct. So you didn't go to the Bristol shooting range
7: ever. I did. Not with that rifle, but I did.
2: Pay attention to my question, please. You didn't ever go to the Bristol shooting range with that gun, correct? Correct. And you picked out that gun because Dominic had it, correct? Yeah. You could have, if you wanted to, chosen from any number of guns that were for sale. Fair enough?
7: That were at that store. There weren't many, but yes.
2: I'm sure the store in Ladysmith isn't the only store that sells guns, correct?
3: Uh, You may ask
7: questions. That
2: was a question.
3: No, it was a statement.
2: Isn't it correct, Mr. Rittenhouse, that there
7: are other places to purchase guns besides that one
2: store in Ladysmith,
7: Wisconsin? Um, I believe so, but that's where we're at, so that's where we got the gun.
2: And you, if you wanted to, could have given Dominic Black money to purchase a gun at other locations. Fair? Didn't cross my mind, but now that you say it, yeah. Why did you pick? Or want Dominic Black to buy for you an AR-15
7: as opposed to a pistol or a shotgun or some other type of rifle. I cannot legally possess or carry a pistol because I'm not 18 in Wisconsin. I, I, I believe it's 18 in Wisconsin for a pistol. Um, but with the with the rifle, I knew I knew I could possess that rifle. I knew I couldn't buy it, but I knew I could like take it to like the shooting range or possess it. Um, and with shotguns, they didn't have any shotguns in stock. That was my original plan to get a shotgun for trap shooting, but there weren't any at that lady, Smith Ladysmith store and I didn't want to go to Walmart and buy one.
2: So your understanding at that time was that Wisconsin law prohibited you as a 17 year old from possessing a pistol, but you could have an AR 15. Yes. What was that understanding based on?
7: Uh, the understanding was based on um, when we would go up north. Uh, we were—it was me, Dominic, and my sister—and we were allowed to carry the rifles around. And the officers over there said it was fine. Um,
2: I'm going to move to strike this hearsay. As to what officers would have told you? the
7: question on what the, what the source of
3: his knowledge was. It's not admissible, and none of this is, frankly, and that's why I interrupted before, um, what the what the defendant believes the law to be, what the district attorney believe, believes the law to be, what uh, the defense believes the law to be are irrelevant. I will tell you when I instruct you what the law of Wisconsin is pertaining to the possession of a firearm by a person under 18. Uh, and that'll be the source of your knowledge.
0: So you know it was clear that uh, I, it turned out that he he did legally possess that gun. And because there was an addendum in the law, if it was under a certain uh, inches overall, a 17 year old could legally possess it. Uh, so you know a lot of the the law that he was citing was in fact in, incorrect.
1: He should have answered when he kept edging him on that his intent was to kill them. I mean, I can't tell you what was in his head, but he should have said my intent wasn't to kill anyone. My intent was to stop the threat.
0: Well, that's pretty much what he
4: said. Yeah, that is basically what he said, Tom. He basically did say that
1: kind of got the let. he kept insisting like
4: no the, the the defense attorney should have objected and said your honor asked and answered he answered the question three four times I mean he was badgering the
1: witness I'm very surprised he didn't object you know yeah
4: yeah I, I don't know why he didn't but uh yeah I, I was judge, surprised at that myself
1: was intervening and that judge was excellent very fair and very impartial and I think it was a fair trial.
4: Listen, listen, for a 17-year-old kid, I think he did good on the well, stand. I think it's always risky to put your client on the stand, and most pet attorneys will tell you that.
1: If you're telling the truth, it's not hard to testify. Yeah, so, yeah. You know what I mean?
4: Well, depending on the client, depending on the, uh, the case, the circumstance, you know, you have somebody with a long criminal history and even though they're innocent, if you put them on the stand, that opens the door to, uh, you know, the, 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 uh, the prosecution going after them for their criminal record and stuff. So obviously with this kid, he didn't have a criminal record or anything like that. And, you know, I think the law really was clear as long as he didn't conceal that rifle, as long as it was a certain length on the barrel, he was fully in compliance with the law to carry that in wisconsin he said okay. he well,
0: this is where the judge rules on the law so let's just listen to this oh sh- wait a minute i screwed up you hang got on one second. Yeah, i gotta put Go it ahead. back up sorry guys that's all right there's so much there's so many things to do when you're the director the talent the <laughs> you're the producer the director the, the director
2: and it's uh, tough pivotal
6: moments inside the Kenosha County courthouse.
2: So when you consider this case, look for the truth.
6: Prosecutors addressing the jury for a final time, trying to convince them 18 year old Kyle Rittenhouse had intent to kill.
2: This is a case in which a 17 year old teenager killed two unarmed men and severely wounded a third person with an AR 15 that did not belong to him. This isn't a situation where he was protecting his home or his family
6: Rittenhouse is facing multiple charges, including homicide for shooting and killing two people and injuring another during protests last year over the police shooting of
2: Jacob Blake. Everything this community went through, the only person who shot and killed anyone was the defendant.
6: The teen and his attorneys claim he was acting in self-defense, the judge now allowing jurors to consider lesser charges, which could be a break for the prosecution. In an unusual moment, sending the jury out of the courtroom to speak with attorneys about whether it was clear to jurors the lesser charges should not be considered if they find Rittenhouse acted in self-defense.
3: This is a more complicated case than most, than any, frankly, that I can remember.
6: 500 National Guard troops are standing by and ready to go in case the city sees any unrest when the verdict comes down. You can see right behind us here that protesters are already gathering outside the courthouse.
0: Well, I apologize. The judge actually didn't in that video didn't rule about the gun, but he had dismissed uh, the gun as illegally carried because of it was turned out that it wasn't illegal and because of the size of it. And it was never also, um, uh, people kept hopping on the fact that it was brought over state lines and that never occurred either. Cause it was always in Kenosha. So that, that was something that was created by the media. And uh, it in fact, never, never occurred.
4: That specific uh, clip that you played, Billy, I was actually watching that live and what the judge made a point of doing on, and I think he was dead on correct. They had brought in these lesser charges But there was a little bit of discussion between the judge, the prosecutors and the defense attorneys that if they found on the higher charge that he did act in self-defense, then the lesser charge could not be uh, included to be considered. They said that once they found on a specific charge uh, that it was uh, self-defense was the was the uh, defense in in the uh, for that specific charge. They couldn't go with the lesser charge. They ruled on that, and I think it was quite correct. And uh, I'm sure that Joe Murray or any good attorney or prosecutor would agree on that.
0: Well, you know, Joe Kane in the chat, retired Captain Joe Kane from uh, Finest Financial, uh, who happens to be my accountant. He says, "Sorry, I'm late. I'm sure you've heard NYPD is held over pending unrest." So. I'm sure. Here it is, this you know, uh, uh, something that happens in Wisconsin,
1: and it, and it, it comes back to New York, right? Like,
0: to New York, like well, like the whole the other thing. It always does. I mean, the riots over the summer had nothing to do with anything
4: that happened.
1: Adams was the mayor right now. Yeah. So do
4: I, Tommy. And you know what? Anybody wants to go out there and protest, we have a constitutional right to do that peacefully protest not tell me it's peaceful and there's fires burning and cops being assaulted and civilians being assaulted and property being damaged that's not peaceful
1: and you get a reporter on talking you know like nicely and they're protesting peacefully and he's glowing in the dark they don't even need lights for the camera
4: yeah right
1: you know what i mean it's like a joke it's a joke it really right. is. It's a joke. And listen,
4: starting a little fire, starting a big fire, a fire is a fire. It's arson. You can't start little fires. So. start a
1: little fire, that's how most arsons start with a little fire, with an accelerant which turns into a blaze. So right. exactly, a, exactly.
0: exactly. Well, let, you know, let Let's, let's see just I just wonder weekend. I just wonder where the whole philosophy of letting rioters vent and let them destroy pop property and attack police officers where did that philosophy come from
1: well, this administration that we had uh in new york city has uh kind of enhanced you know all of that and you know i i remember uh mario uh, not mario pomo and during the COVID thing. And then all of a sudden the riots started and COVID went on the back burner. They didn't talk about it for weeks. It's like it didn't exist. Right. It was like, don't worry about it. Riot is, you won, you got your way. I'm giving you 180 days to tell me how you want the police department to be run. I wanted to throw, like throw the television out. Like I couldn't believe that the governor of New York State made that statement and he made that statement. You know, you won and you got 180 days to tell me how you would want the police to be run, defund them, whatever.
4: He he was trying to get in the good graces of the public because he knew he was responsible for fifteen thousand deaths in a nursing home scandal that he sent people infected with COVID into the highest category of risk, uh, elderly people, and fifteen thousand people died. So he was trying to get into the good graces.
1: Nobody well, I talked to was he getting in good graces with that state.
4: Oh, not 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 in our world's maybe, but in the in the protesters' world. And do you know, Tom? Most of the people that were arrested during that summer melee that we went through two summers ago, all of those right most of the charges were dropped and that's the story. That,
1: I heard that they, that they in Manhattan they were they were all dropped.
4: I, I guess depending on the severity, I mean if you, if they have you on videotape clubbing the cop over the head with a fire extinguisher, I would hope that that wouldn't have been dropped well, but it may were, be.
1: Guys were, guys were burning police cars and just walking away with no identification on who they were. I'm sure there's guys who burned cars with, I think it was what a million dollars in uh in damage to police prop you know police department property during those riots Are
4: you yeah kidding? I think it was I, all, well over a million times I, I, I was was just say saying, that.
1: like yeah uh, throw out a number that I had heard at one point it's it's like what happened really what happened what happened in the last two years
4: well listen that's why we have laws and I just hope that's why we have a police force, we have laws, and we have prosecutors. And I just hope that the system works going forward with this new mayor. I mean, we're stuck with him until January, and uh, let's hope that Eric Adams can uh, restore I some believe, law and order.
1: I believe Eric Adams will not be intimidated by uh, anybody, and I believe, you know, listen, he was a he was a cop, he was a, a, a sergeant, he was a lieutenant, he was a captain, and. I believe he will, at the end of the day, do the right thing and back the cops and let the cops do what they're supposed to do and just make it make New York a safe place. I have friends that work in other you know, private industry in Carnegie Hall here and there, and they drive up to New York every day and, and say, like, you wouldn't believe how disgusting it became again. And it was us that cleaned it up during the Giuliani administration. You know, remember Forty Second and Broadway in, in narcotics? It was like—I mean, it was fun while you were doing it, but for tourists and things like that, it was a horrible thing.
4: And You're that, talking about the '80s, right, Tom?
1: Yeah, and that place became a beautiful place. I used to enjoy just—if I had a doctor's appointment, you know, I would just enjoy spending like the afternoon if it wasn't cold out at St. Pat's or or by the ice skating ring during Christmas time it's you think you think we didn't lose tourists coming to new york who wants to come to new york city right now anymore and it, it, you can't tell me that nobody saw this happening and that people didn't see it happening. small businesses die big businesses die that'll never reopen again yeah, you know what i mean all the high-end stores boarded it up it, it's it's just you know it's sad because you saw what new york really was and 42nd and Broadway was like the Vegas Strip, it was lit up, it was pleasant, there were people walking, there were cops all over the place, and it was a nice place to be. And I, uh, I, you know, from what I understand now, um, it, it's it's totally the opposite. So
4: I had no hesitation taking my kids there when they were smaller and we would have a good time. We would walk around. We would go to the Toys R Us store, go on that Ferris wheel. We would really enjoy New York City and Times Square. Now, today, the last time I was in Times Square, my car almost got trampled by some protest, which was probably about two months ago, maybe a little more, three months ago. And uh, yeah, I mean, every time you put on the news, there's a different shooting going on with innocent people getting shot or Molotov cocktails being tossed into a bodega. I mean, the, the, the amount of homeless EDPs, and I'll explain EDP, emotionally disturbed persons, the amount of homeless EDPs walking around the city of New York, Manhattan, Is ridiculous. I mean, the other boroughs too, but Manhattan, it's like, uh, who's living on the street? I mean, they're they're having sex in public, defecating, urinating. It's just completely out of control. That's why we got to hope that our new mayor, Eric Adams, is going to turn things around and start enforcing the law and get on top of these prosecutors that refuse to charge people with fare evasion with the jumping over the turnstile and beating the fare on the subways and the buses, the urinating in public and all the rest of it that we've gone through drinking alcohol and on and on and on.
0: Real with robo. This mess started because of the governor's mayors telling DAs not to prosecute yes. these hoodlums. Our heroes morale fell to the, Oh, defend the police, not defund real guys. We're at, Almost an hour and fifteen minutes, and you know I I don't really like to go oh, much over cool. that. Okay. It, it really did go very fast. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of um, emotion in this case. Obviously, some of the, there was some nasty people in the chat. Uh, a few, one of them I just blocked.
1: They're entitled to uh, their opinion.
0: Right. But they're they're not entitled to be nasty, though. And I don't need them. I don't need respectful. You got to be respectful. You can
4: disagree. You got to be respectful. And if you're not, go find another podcast. It's very simple. We're we're right down the middle with this. We give our opinions. We're professional. And we always, always maintain respect. And that's 100
0: percent. So, guys, I want to thank, you know, I think we covered this case uh, pretty well. And I want to thank Tommy Dade's who's uh, not a regular, but comes on. He's been on a bunch of times. And every time he's on, uh, he gives Brilliant. some really uh, thoughtful opinions. Uh, he, he, he was a great detective. He's a retired detective. Uh, he has a book out called friends of the family. And, uh, it's about the, um, mafia cops, Ippolito and Caracappa. And, uh, it's a great book. If you want to pick up a copy of it one day. Hopefully that story will become a movie. And also, uh, with me all the time, basically lately in the last three, four months is a uh, straight out of Brooklyn, Phil Grimaldi. Phil, I'm going to give you uh, the last word and I'll give Tommy some last words and then we'll say sayonara.
4: Last word. Uh, we covered a lot of the uh, Kyle Rittenhouse case today. There's probably other stuff. Maybe we'll go through it again on another day, but I think the jury saw through all of the nonsense that the prosecution put up uh, they gave the right, right verdict, the correct verdict. I'm very satisfied with it. One quick thing. I forgot to tell you about this, Bill. I had a conversation last night with Sandy Blue Eyes Favuzzi, who's very close, bodyguard, confident friend of Chaz Palmitari. I asked him to come back on the show with Chaz to do the podcast. He agreed. He said, we're just going to figure out a date. Hopefully over the weekend or early next week, we'll have a date that we could get Chaz Palmitari back on the show. He's got a great podcast, He's obviously a great actor. Been in 70 movies. Uh, he's been on the show before, so that'll be something to look forward to. Shout out to Sandy Blue Eyes uh, for making it happen for us. Hopefully early next week we'll have a uh, a date on when we're going to have Chas Pometary back on.
0: Bronx Tale Legend. Yes. That's excellent. Tommy Dades, uh, last words.
1: My last words. Uh, your show is always intriguing, interesting, fair. Uh, you give everybody a fair shake. Any of the guests that are on, whether they're on the other side of the fence or our side of the fence. It's a very uh, interesting show. You're going to get people that are going to disagree, but that's good because that means you're making your points very strong. And, you know, that's what makes them come back at you because if you were a non entity, they would have nothing to say back. Um, I also want to just say uh, uh, to friend of the Phillies, too um but both of you were 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 a major asset to the nypd and a loss when you both retired um i just want to send my condolences out to detective first grade john bodo's family who uh passed away recently and was one of the sharpest detectives and one of the one of the only people in the union of the DEA that I ever really thought was a union man <laughs> and uh, was a true union guy and was uh, a legend and took me under the wing when, when I was a wet behind the ears rookie and the quotes and the things that I learned from him, I just want to wish his family, God bless and may John rest in peace. He was a, he was a beautiful man. John Morrow,
0: Good man. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you guys for being on the show and folks. On behalf of uh, Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories, myself, Bill Cannon, and my co-host, Phil Grimaldi, and our special guest today, Tommy Dades, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you soon, and be safe out there.
4: Stay safe, everyone.
1: Good night. Good night.